Hello and welcome to the Sign Netting Podcast, the place with just all the latest games on in the world of football, play a couple of games and almost definitely go off on a tangent or two. I'm Connor Burke and I'm joined as always by my friend, my cousin, but most importantly, my co-host, Kieran Burke. Kieran, how are we getting on? All the better for hearing your beautiful voice on oh, this uh, Tuesday evening. Oh, you're far too kind. <laughs> I'm too kind, I'm too kind. Yeah, but that... yeah, all good, all good. Can't complain too much, although I'll try my best over the course <laughs> of the next hour. But Cracking stuff. I should say that we are recording on Tuesday afternoons. So that is before the Champions League games have taken place this week. That is before the bonus games for the Premier League games have taken place. So we know conversation on that will be the upcoming weekend of Premier League and all of that kind of stuff. So if you want to we're not talking about Brentford's great win against Man City <laughs> and Luton's humbling of Liverpool at Anfield. That Speaking will be why. existence, I love it. I love it. <laughs> but what we can discuss, Kiers, is something that we did mention a little bit last week, and that's Mbappe. So when we spoke last week, those rumours going around, there was that weird rumour that ended up cropping up about Arsenal, and it's sort of all been quashed fairly quickly as apparently... Mbappe to Madrid is pretty much confirmed. They're waiting for there to be no chance of them facing each other in the Champions League. And once that's the case, the announcement will be made official for Mbappe to Madrid. Yeah, I think it was inevitable, wasn't it? Yeah. But it's nice to it's nice to do. <laughs> I did see about an 150 million sign-on bonus. I yes. don't know whether that's true or not, but that yeah. is absolutely mental. That's what's been reported today. Is 150. I think Sky later clarified saying 120 to 150 million euros. Oh, that's fine then. Across five years is apparently the signing bonus with his wages coming to around 15 million a season. I tell you what, he's absolutely minted. He's doing <laughs> he's all right, isn't he? Rubbing his hands together. It's. I think the point I really made last week about if it was going to be feasible for Arsenal, the big plus is you're not paying a transfer fee. Well, you're basically paying Mbappe's yeah, transfer fee to him. So that's basically what him, but... that's basically what Madrid have said is yeah, the, or has been reported that Madrid have said is the transfer fee is going to be paid across his wages and his signing bonus. So you're not you're not skimping on any money. <laughs> It's just all going in big Killian's back pocket. So fair play to him. Yeah, I'll get um, that bread, my G. Absolutely not. Get your bread up. Immediately. Get that bread up immediately, Killian Mbappe. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was inevitable, wasn't yeah, it? I, I think it was one of those things that the rumour mill starts to go round until you get the confirmation come through. But everyone knew that yeah. he'd been lining up for Real for it would the be a last massive, three or four years. Yeah, it'd be a massive, massive shock if it, if it wasn't going to happen. And it hasn't. Apparently with... Modric due to be leaving this summer as well. He's going to be getting a 10 for Madrid. Oh, okay. And the sort of rumour mill has also said that Ancelotti's plans for him is to pull Jude Bellingham in deeper, have Vinicius Jr. out on the left, and then Mbappe will be in through sort of that middle left. Scary attack. Unbelievable sure. attack. Real will now be favourites for the Champions League Every year going forward, I think, for the foreseeable future, as good as City oh, are, that yeah. that team is just ridiculous. They're already a very, very good team. Yeah. And you throw Mbappe in as well, and it's yeah. insane. But yeah. even, like, it's an insane team. It's currently an insane team. But they are being run close down there in the Liga. Had a little slip-up this weekend against Real Vallecano. One all, and then, fortunately for them, 
Girona couldn't make it count against Atletico Bilbao on Monday evening. They lost three two. Yeah, few. It's, it's, it's getting it's getting a bit closer now. I think Six Real. Point gap. Yeah, they're still fairly comfortable. Obviously, Girona had that unbelievable start to the season. Everyone was was going mad for it, and as as does tend to happen the majority of the time, they start to kind of slip slip off a tiny bit. And yeah. the class of your likes of your Reals, even your Barca's now they're, they're only, only two, two points, points behind. Off. Yeah. So you'd probably see them catching them by the end of the season. But still, fair play to what yeah. Girona are doing. They're still having a fantastic season. And I think the aim will firmly be Champions League qualification. Or, am yeah, I right so... in thinking, though, that there was something to do with them being in the City group and them not actually being allowed to qualify for, for Europe? I was sure I saw something about that. Whether or not that's a, a factor seems a strange one, but... Yeah, that would uh, throw a spanner in the works and would be very harsh on the Girona players. That have, Obviously, that is if they get over the line with, with Champions League qualification, but um, that would throw a spanner in the works. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that, that run-in pans out. Obviously, Real still looking quite comfortable despite that, that slip-up. Obviously, Bellingham, Bellingham missing at the minute. It's a massive, massive loss to Real, so I'm sure they'll, they'll want him back for the run-in and the Champions League games that are coming up as well. Yeah, as you say about Girona there, so I did just have a little look while you were talking and it's basically the crux of the reporting is they're unsure. With Girona have applied for a UEFA licence to compete in European club competitions at the end of last season after they narrowly missed out on the Europa Conference League and they were granted permission of that licence. So you'd imagine... They'd be after the same the same license this season, which if they were granted it last season. The only issue would be them coming up against Man City, but it looks likely that if they qualified for the Champions League, they'd be okay. Rightly so, I think. Rightly so as well. Obviously, we mentioned Real slipping up, Bayern, another team, another another powerhouse from Europe that weren't are... so fortunate as Real Madrid, yeah. where Leverkusen took the opportunity with both hands after Bochum beat Bayern Munich three two. And then Leverkusen beat Heidenheim 2-1 after that. So, big advantage now for Bayern, for Bayer, sorry. Eight points after 22 yeah. games. Eight-point lead. Real Madrid, as we mentioned, they're six points in the Liga. But eight points for Bayer Leverkusen. For Jabi Alonso's Bayer Leverkusen, huge mountain to overcome. For Kane to get his first trophy. Oh, I think we actually had a discussion at the start of the season as well. And I basically said... A pointless league title at Bayern for me isn't worth like leaving Spurs for, and now it's looking like he's not even going to get that, which is brilliant. Really, one nil down in the after the first leg in the Champions League, eight points behind, and they lost. They lost the Super Cup, the German Super Cup final, just after he joined as well, didn't they? You can take the man out of Spurs, but you can't take Spurs out of the man. Honestly, is is built into him like weapons grade spursiness coursing <laughs> in, through his veins. In all seriousness, though, I saw um, Tuchel come out and say, like, basically blame him for the loss because I don't know if you saw, but when he had they a were couple of up, unbelievable yeah. chances throughout yeah, we, the game, even when yeah. they were three three two down, he also got the goal to make it three two, and he had yeah. a couple of cracking chances to equalise. Yeah, I think fair enough, but it's a bit ridiculous, really. I think he's oh, you broke can't numerous like records in terms yeah. of fastest player to score X amount of goals in the Bundesliga. You know, their problems span a lot further than Kane being able to score the odd chance here or there, because in all fairness, he, he did still score a goal in that 3-2 loss and is having a yeah. great season. 
But it, it's just the story of him at Spurs as well. Individually, he's a great striker, but whether or not that means trophies is a is another thing, I guess. Yeah, well, we'll sort of get on to that conversation next, Kieran, of whether trophies make you world-class or whether as a player you are world-class and then trophies just top, top that up. We say that phrase world-class a couple of times there. That comes after Rio Ferdinand over the last week on his podcast and then subsequently on TNT itself was saying that Saka's not yet world-class because he hasn't got it over the line to win trophies. I believe the exact quote he said, if I get that up here, he said on TNT last week, I think you've got to be looking at him, this is about Foden, you've got to be looking at him like that as world-class for what he does for the team, his importance to the team with goals, assists and the rhythm of the game, especially this season, he's got to be in the conversation and nearing that at least. And about Saka, he said that he doesn't think he's done it at the top level, winning trophies at a team like this. He's not in a team as good as City's. You've got to respect and appreciate that Foden's done this where the medals are handed out. He's performed as the best teams consistently. I think Saka is more about he needs the opportunity to perform at that platform, that level consistently, and you can consider him as world-class. What do you think of that quote there, kids? Well, I think the logic behind it's flawed, but I'm not necessarily as outraged as I've seen some Arsenal fans by the, the yeah. notion that Saka's not world-class. I think, That's where I for think. me, yeah, for me, world-class is you can get any... You will get in any team starting lineup in the world. That, for me... You're world class. If you could walk into any team, yeah. that goes to the your Reals, your Barca's, your whoever, whoever. Like if you could start for any team that is in Europe's elite, then you're world class. So by that logic, Saka's on that borderline. For me, there's an argument for for both sides. For me, I think as an Arsenal fan watching Saka week in week out, he would get in any team because how efficient he is. Like, when you see him go forwards, he always makes the right decision. Like, how many times do you see Saka and you think, oh, he should have done that. He should have passed it there. He should have shot. He always seems to... Like, he's got wisdom beyond his years in terms of decision-making. And I think the big point, wingers in particular, always get knocked for is end product. And Saka has that in abundance. If you look at the numbers, I saw a few stats flying around this week. Um, comparing him to the likes of Bales, your hazards. And I think I'm right in saying for goals and assists, he's actually equal to, or if not slightly past Bale in terms of across his Prem career. And he's not far off hazard either, which just being in those two names who are rightly so considered as two of the best um, players of the Prem era. Yeah, the thing thing with players like Bale, would you call... Bale world class. I don't know if I like very very good, but there's that. It's what we're saying there, kids, aren't you? There's that jump, and I mm. think sort of bringing Bale into it is maybe a separate conversation. But he's a comparison if you're talking top tier Premier League players. But then there's a jump, isn't there? Sometimes when you go to world class, I think I probably would just about when he yeah. was at the peak of his powers, probably last year of Spurs. Remember how many games you'd watch Spurs and he just. Yeah, put the dagger. He'd Maybe score was, from ridiculous yeah. positions in the 90th minute, and even at Real, I think the whole media thing with Real, he he get a lot of unfair oh, stick because of everything that happened. Like yeah. the goals he scored, scoring that winner in the Copa del Rey final, scoring the bicycle kick in the Champions League final. Like, yeah, he, he's a man for the big occasion. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. sort of athleticism may be something that 
we come back to later on in the podcast. Not to not to spoil any picks for our five aside, but that might be something we circle yeah. back to. But to bring the conversation back around to Saka, yeah, and the Foden comparison has been the big one this week. And just Foden's this... not. Foden's not for me. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I think you, if you don't make your team regularly, yeah, exactly. or you don't make the starting lineup, I should say, regularly. Like the yeah. comparison there is in the Premier League this season. Foden has made the starting lineup ninety two percent of times. Saka ninety six percent of times, and twenty six percent of goals participation for Foden, thirty four for Saka, twenty goal contributions for Saka in the Premier League, twelve goals, eight assists, and seven in the Champions League, three goals, four assists. For Foden, it's eight and eight goals, seven assists in the league, fifteen goal contributions, four goals, three assists in the Champions League, seven contributions. That's twenty two to 27 goal contributions in the competitions that matter in the Premier League and the Champions League. Yeah, both great players, right? Yeah. Clearly both great players, but I think longevity comes into it as well. And Foden has only really been a regular starter, as you say, for City this season. So I I think it's ridiculous to to suggest Foden's world-class. Saka's been starting for us. He's a very good player, but he feels more like a purple patch player than anything. He goes through... These runs of stunning performances. Yeah. But I don't know if I've really seen him do it consistently over the course of a season rather than he'll crop up for like a five to ten game patch and then he'll be quiet again for a while and he'll crop up again. Like when he's yeah. good, he's very, very good. But is that often enough? I don't know. Like Saka is consistently performing yeah. at a top at a top 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 level. Yeah. But where this conversation, as you say, it's very flawed, where this conversation gets flawed is do the trophies make the player or is it that combination of performance and trophies? Because you start to get into this level of American media around American sports where whenever the conversation comes up, who's the GOAT? Is Mahomes on the same level as Brady? Is LeBron? It always gets cut down to how many rings do they have? How many championships do they have? And you basically bypass any of the actual important stats. Yeah. Like, Ryan Babbles won a Champions League. Yeah. Is he world class? No. Yeah. But he's won more Champions Leagues that Saka has, as an yeah. example. And you're never putting these two players on the same level. Yeah. There's It's a combination of the two. And that's the most important bit. Exactly. And Saka's 22 years of age. Yeah. Like, if he if he's at the same point as Harry Kane is in his career now, where he still hasn't won any important trophies, then the conversation can crop up. But at this yeah. point of his career, is he world-class or at least very much on the edge? Yeah. I'd agree with you because I think he's on the edge. He's not quite in the elite group yet. He's maybe if you're if you're doing a top five, he's more ten to six. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And there's, there's that's that's where that's a good point for him to be at the minute. I think 100%. in the next couple of years, 100%. as he as he continues to get better and better, then you know that's not, and obviously the likes of your Salas start to kind of reach yeah. the back end. Well, of I their saw career. yeah there was stats about Salah. I think it was. He got his 40th goal and only him and Saka in the last few seasons have 40 goals and 30 assists, I think it is. Or above 40 goals and above 30 assists. And the amount of responses to that tweet, that how dare you put Salah and Saka in the same category. Like, is this, A, like is this some sort of horrendous thing to say? And B, like the main reason they've done it is they're the only two people that yeah. have these same stats. Like it's not they've they made are, a stat up. No, they in. are in the same category. Because yeah. Salah's assist, I think, is thirty-three. So you can't you can't go any more than that. Like, are you going to go like by this specific number? But like, it's 
Exactly, that's the thing. It, it, it depends what your definition of world class yeah. is. But I, I think Ferdinand's logic is flawed, which is, I think, caused the annoyance to suggest mm. it's based on the trophies. But I did see a funny video today of <laughs> Arsenal on fans plane. on a flight to uh, to to the Arsenal-Porto game, obviously, in the Champions League. And uh, <laughs> Ferdinand was on the same flight and they were giving him a bit of stick. To be fair, I'm not his biggest fan, but I did, I did think he... Uh, yeah. Had a good reaction to it when he got on the, the tannoy well. at the end yeah. of the flight. Yeah, so. you can always say that. And he stood, he stood by his point as well. He did, not, he did. He did. So. And yeah. as we say, to sort of round out that conversation, as we both agree there, probably not world class, but right on the borderline. Yeah. Like within the next couple of years, he's probably bursting through into that elite level group without a doubt. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, going from that, Kiz, we'll jump into in a moment with the weekend prediction. So last week, Kiz. You had an absolute nightmare. <laughs> One uh, point. You went yeah. you've not been you've not been doing too well, kids. The overall scoreline at the moment, you're on seven after I think we're in four weeks, four game weeks into the year now on predictions. You've got seven. I have eleven. The problem is I'm trying to go bold every week. Like <laughs> I think my problem is I'm trying to like, you want speak Brentford into to beat existence. Liverpool. Yeah, I know, but I'm trying to speak it into existence. That's my problem. <laughs> I'm going like heart overhead, which you, I need to uh, get back on track. With, but if you want to keep predicting Man City to win games four one, because you're predicting to win four one and then they draw, so if you can keep that, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm completely on board. We'll, we'll keep going with that, but I, I think I need to accept the fact Liverpool will perhaps continue to win games. So yeah. maybe I, I need to knock that notion on the head. Yeah, well, maybe if it's a, a little bit of a closer game, you had them losing to bottom side of the table team, Brentford, which. They absolutely ran through them in the end, as was expected. As we mentioned before, though, kids, we do say this before the, the midweek games, and maybe they've surprised us against Man City. I doubt it, <laughs> but maybe they have. We are in the past. But the first game we've got at the weekend, we have Aston Villa against Nottingham Forest. Yeah, I think there's goals in this one. Um, two teams... Uh, it's a tight goal first I've gone for. So... Oh, hello, go on. Fill me in. So... Uh, yeah, I, I think both teams perhaps defensively not seen as their strongest point. Villa, obviously coming off that 2-1 win away at Fulham on the weekend. They're continuing to to pick up points. Um, obviously, Spurs dropping points as well. So, um, a good a good weekend for Villa, really. Um, yeah. Got to be able to capitalise. We, exactly. we had this big conversation last week about how we think Spurs are going to capitalise. They're not going to drop silly points. And they go yeah. lose to Wolves I've days after. I'm not against round. it. It was great to see. But in terms of our, our takes and our opinions, it completely, yeah. immediately made us look like fools. <laughs> I, I still agree with what, we, what we've what we said. There's still a long way to go. But Spurs do in them as well. So it remains to be seen what way it goes. But I have got Villa winning this one 3-2. Um Forest themselves, good win against West Ham, although West Ham are in a horrid run of form. Yeah. Phillips. Um, <laughs> I saw a West Ham fan doing an interview and he said, Yorkshire Pirlo, more like the Yorkshire pudding. So hey, that's uh, the thoughts on Phillips of uh, West Ham fans. <laughs> Obviously, he got sent off himself, so won't be available for their next game. But yeah, I, I see Villa edging this one out. I think there's goals in it. Forest have good attackers themselves. They're dangerous on the counter. They've got the, the likes of Hudson Adoy, who obviously scored on the weekend, Alanga, who's just full of pace. You know, they've got Gibbs White, they've got quality in that team, and I think they can hurt Villa, but I just think Villa 
have more a little bit more than them going forward. So I can see them sort of just edging that one out. So I've gone Villa 3-2. Three, 3-2 two. Three, two, Villa. Well, Villa have only lost one game this season against teams in the bottom 10. And that was against Nottingham Forest in November. That could tilt one way or another. I think the rest of Villa's record against bottom 10 teams speaks for itself. Nine wins, four draws. So I have gone for a Villa 2-0 win myself. But you never know. It's very much one of those games where Forest could turn up and get a good result out of them. But I do think Villa are going to be too good. And Watkins is starting to get himself back onto that run of form we know he can hit. So yeah, I've gone 2-0 Villa myself into the next game. Another game now near the bottom of the table. But Palace against Burnley. Yeah, I've backed the new manager bounce here. Yeah, here um, we go. That was my that is my first note. <laughs> Oliver Glasner coming in. New yeah. manager bounce. Yeah, good appointment for them, I think. Um obviously Hodgson done a done a good job back in the last season, steadying the ship a bit. He just made sure that was safe. He shouldn't have. He shouldn't have. And I think that's the club's fault as much as oh, definitely. as much as anyone else. Hodgson probably thought he was doing him a bit of a favour and in yeah. the end, I think he said himself he and obviously he's had had the health issue, so hopefully he's uh he's all he's all yeah, good. Definitely. Um but I, I think it was probably a, a bit too much in the end. Um, keeping up the levels. I touched on last week the loss of Elise and Eze being massive, and I still think that is the case. But I think Burnley Eze potentially coming are. back this weekend. There's, yeah, that's a we're, we're a long way off loss. the press conference at this point. But Eze and Gahey are the talk that they may be back for the weekend. Yeah, huge, huge bonus for them if if them two are back. But I think even without them two, just oh, because Burnley of how poor so Burnley bad. are, they're so bad. Obviously. We beat them 5 0, weekend just gone, and very comfortable. I very rarely sit and watch an Arsenal game and just enjoy it with, with no stress. So I don't think they ever look like scoring, but I mean, that's credit to us as well because not no teams really look like scoring against us in yeah, the last if you wanna, few. So. Yeah, if you want to hit your score prediction for that game, we'll go straight into the Arsenal Newcastle game. I've, I've got 2 0 Palace on that one. Yeah, I've gone 3 1 Palace, so the same kind of route as you yeah. there. Yeah, but Arsenal Newcastle, as we say there, Arsenal. Since the start of the year, they are 21-2 in their last five games since we started the year. We're cooking. Newcastle, though, have only lost one game in 2024 themselves, and that was against Man City with that late Bob goal, 3-2, towards the start of the year. So you say about sitting down, relaxing, it's been nice the last couple of weeks to just watch Arsenal. I think we could be in for a lot, lot tighter a game. A feisty rivalry really been brewing between Arsenal and Newcastle especially with the disaster that was VAR earlier on in the season. So a bit of revenge for that. Three weeks in a row we've gone for Arsenal games. So it's not... <laughs> well, it's, got, it's working well for us. So I think we're going to have to stick to it until uh, it it's goes It's one of those superstitions wrong. now. <laughs> yeah. So brace yourselves for Arsenal predictions every week from here on in. Even though you said their Newcastle have only lost one, they've not been that impressive to me. Oh, I don't no, think they've yeah. looked great. Obviously, they nicked a very late equaliser against at home to Bournemouth. Yeah, on on the weekend, they just there's something not quite kick, uh, clicking. Sorry for Newcastle at the minute. Whether that's well, I, I know they've had a few injuries themselves. Obviously, Isaac's out of the minute. Yeah. Who, by all means, is a big blow. Obviously, Wilson as well. Um, I believe still injured. So huge double loss that. Yeah, no, no obvious striker. I think Gordon's been been doing an all right job. Yeah. Um, they have, I was going to say they have been scoring goals though. I yeah. say about Arsenal's record, Newcastle has scored fourteen. But their problem is they've conceded 12 yeah. in their game since the start of the year. Yeah. 
I think Joe Linton's been a big loss for them in the middle there. He was kind of that enforcer role in the middle that, yeah, he mopped everything up. He was that bit of powerhouse in the middle that, you know, would would be in the right place to win the wall, the ball back and put in a challenge. So I think he's been a big, big reason probably why, because aside from him, if you look at their kind of back four, it is what they've, they've had as their, obviously, um, Pope is out himself, which is a loss. But in terms of the actual back four, it's kind of as their strongest, yeah. their strongest they've got available. So I have gone two now Arsenal. I think the form we've been on, I can't see us conceding and I can definitely see us scoring. So again, I always caveat Arsenal games. I don't want to be what overconfident. What score level that, sorry, Kers? 2-0 Arsenal. I just think how strong we've been both going forward and at the back. Obviously, Newcastle will be nowhere near as open as Burnley were. Yeah. But I just think the quality we've got at the minute, the way we're moving the ball, the way we're cutting through teams and everything's clicking for us at the minute. Yeah. So as long as we turn up, obviously we've got a tough game midweek in the Champions League, which could potentially have a bit of an impact depending on how that goes. But hopefully we'll come through that one unscathed, no injuries, and then yeah. we'll go to uh, well at, to the Emirates and, and get the result for Newcastle. So 2-0 Arsenal for me. Yeah, as, as you say, we've just been on a different level since the start of the year. And to be fair, we were playing very well before. We just weren't scoring. And now the goals are starting to come and it's all peaking at the right time, hopefully. But Newcastle are going to be a tough game. They're always a tough game, especially for us. There's always a tough game in there. I've won 2-1. I can see Newcastle nicking a goal, maybe even nicking the first goal. And we have to come back against them. But the way we're performing recently, there's no reason to think we're not going to win the game. So I'm going 2-1 Arsenal. Yeah, And then the last Premier League game we've got to predict is, is Man United against Fulham. Yeah, United have not been overly impressive at all, but still picking up results. I don't think it's sustainable, but I think they'll they'll nick it again against Fulham. So yeah. I've gone 2-1 United. I've gone the same. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think they'll nick it. But yeah, they've not been impressive at all, really. They held on a bit in the end v Luton. Um, credit to Luton, because obviously went... Went 2-0 down very early, but managed to make a game of it. The Luton dog, mate. The Luton dog. The Luton dog nearly came through. I hope they um, stay up. I really hope they stay up. They're so... In- the vibes. They are. There's always one team, isn't there, that comes up and they're so entertaining to watch. I think people have been comparing them a lot to Blackpool in the mid-2000s. Yeah. Where they're just such a fun team to watch. And there's a lot about them. Same as, Similar as when Brentford came up a couple of years ago. There's the same kind of energy around them. Yeah. So yeah, you always get one. Yeah. You always get one team that you got a bit of a, a soft spot for. That uh, yeah, my my of... Watford heritage and supporting friends. Hopefully they don't listen to this, but <laughs> you'll be getting filled in when they <laughs> next see you, mate. So you better be on the lookout. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I see United edging it, but I think the wheels yeah. will come falling off the United bus very soon with the way they've been playing. Yeah. Um, I was actually watching the overlap. Um, this week and I think Gary Neville and Roy Keane were saying something very similar that they they just don't see what they're doing at the minute as being sustainable yeah that's exactly it there's nothing sustainable there how they how they have gone on the the mini run they've gone at the minute without losing because I've watched the bulk of their last four or five games and they've looked abject yeah in every single one of them as I say I've got them winning 2-1 here as well and I think they're going to put another Relatively poor performance, but they're still going to sneak through a win. But how long is that realistically going to last for you? I'm not so sure. Yeah. 
be yeah. interesting to see where they where they finish up. Indeed. Well, the last game we've got this week, Kieran, is the League Cup final. You've got Liverpool against Chelsea on Sunday afternoon. Where do you see this one going? Obviously, it's very easy to say Liverpool, but it's a one-off game. So, what you got? Finals are always unpredictable, aren't they? So, yep. and I, I really do think Chelsea suit playing against a you know a team that come at them and are a so-called bigger team. They've shown up this season many times. Exactly. Like you look at the performance of City. Really, they executed that perfectly. Obviously, undone by a late equaliser, but. On the whole, like that, they got their game plan down to a T, mop up the pressure, hit City on the counter, and you know that works for them. I think when they're expected to come out against a team that like to maybe go in a low block and try and defend against them, they they lack that creativity to pick them apart. But you know when the game's a bit more open, it seems to suit them. Saying that, I've gone one all, and I think we said we're going to predict. Um, the method of victory as well. Yeah. So I've got Liverpool winning on pens. No um, way. I've got exactly the same. <laughs> have you? There you go. Yeah. Must have must have seen my notes. But well, uh, we we're talking about how poor you've been recently, and you've gone for the same result, and in that case, the same exact setup as me this week. So you you're not messing around now. You're just following my lead. Go safe. Go safer. <laughs> but Get yeah, a few for, points on the doors. Yeah. For my prediction, there's a. There's a few stats behind it. Since by since the Bayern final in 2012, Chelsea have been in three final penalty shootouts and they've lost each of them. In their last six, in their last eight, sorry, domestic finals, so FA Cup or League Cup, they've lost six of them, only won two of them. They are two out of two in Europe in that time, but domestically they have won two out of eight. Whereas Liverpool have only played three domestic finals, they won two of them. The one they did lose was on penalties, but they also have one win on penalties in that time against Chelsea the last time they faced in the League Cup a couple of years ago, 2022. I think that one was where it was 11-10 on penalties to Liverpool in that final. So I've got Liverpool on pens as well. I think it's going to be a very tight, very tough game. And yeah, I can see it going all the way with Liverpool winning on pens for the only trophy they're going to win this season. The game where Kepa refused to come off, that was a, the Carabao Cup final. That, oh, that was an absolute classic. That was a Carabao Cup final. <laughs> it's, it's usually a good little vibes game. So, be interesting yeah. to I see. I think they lost that game on pens, didn't they? I believe they did, because oh. yeah, Kepa refused to come off. And then, and then I don't think he saved a penalty. <laughs> so, <laughs> a classic. Unfortunate. Yeah. So, like always, kids, we'll check back in next week of the results and how we got on. But up next, in the second half, we have another five-a-side. And this week, to celebrate the return of the Six Nations after a week off, we've got the five-a-side of football players that can transfer over to rugby. So after a week off, the Six Nations is back for week three this weekend with Ireland facing Wales, Scotland facing England and Italy facing France. So to just have a little celebration of that, we have a five-a-side topic of five players who were known for football if they made the move to rugby who would they be so I do realise now Kieran I think we've discussed before Premier League only players but two of my players never played in the Premier League so it's going to be any football players instead we can make the exception just for you just for you for who those, who those two players are I'm sure you'll allow it how did you find putting this team together was it did it all was it like natural vibing with players or did you have to have a little bit of think about who was to go where have you thought about I, positions yeah. or is it just playing rugby? Where have you gone with it? I had to have a good think, to be honest, because I kind of broke it down. Obviously, we said about 
just select him from the the six nations in in the six nations yeah um so i had to have a think around that because obviously initial thoughts rugby you think big players like yeah. big strong but then i tried to go down a slightly different route for a couple of others so i, yeah. I tried to start off thinking of, about players i could think of from that nation and then who logically might play so i've not gone as act positions but roughly no, you know, what would their role be in that in that squad. Yeah. So. How many how many have you gone with the classic big but I've got one big bulky person in my team. I've gone probably two two yeah, yeah two or three actually. Um down that route and then a couple slightly different. Yeah. And then do you have any honourable mentions? We'll hold them for the end if you do, but do you have any honourable mentions in there as well that missed out on the team? Not really to be honest. I sort of got my yeah, based on there's because I didn't really think too much around yeah. you know once I had my one because I was going for I didn't want to repeat any from the same nations. Yeah, so that's that's through, where my logically. honorable mentions came from. Was I already yeah. had one from that country, so the Italians have missed out for me, which makes sense because yeah. I think they're always last in the Six <laughs> Nations anyway, so they didn't yeah. deserve a player in my the team. Scot- the Scottish missed out for me, but I do have a Scottish honorable mention to to have a little make good. Of that, they just missed out on the starting team. There, there is absolutely no like a logical football five aside. I've got no uh, real sense of formation. Have you got a goalkeeper? There's no keeper. There's no, there's, just, to be uh, fair, with you, that's not always a given <laughs> that you've got a goalkeeper, regardless of the topic. It's rare. It, it, it's rush keeper, mate. They're playing rugby. <laughs> they don't need to be playing football, so it's fine. Yeah, I, I do have a keeper. Well, good with his, good with his hands. Good with his kicking. Yeah, it would make sense, but. The guy I've I've put in that sort of role, it makes sense because he's got the brain, the footballing okay. brain as well. So we'd like to start us off, think is so. Tell us what country your first pick is, and then who they are as well. Okay, I will start off with. So this was the one I was umming and ahhing about a bit. So I've gone England, and for this one, I was thinking big players that are strong and powerful that yeah. could do a job in rugby and. This player sprung to mind, perhaps because he's so front of mind in all the media stuff he does, and recently saw quite a lot around him covering or being involved in the Super Bowl conversation and people talking about, you know, could he do a job in the NFL? So I've got Mika Richards um, okay. as my first pick. That's I think, solid. Yeah. I think, you know, he's a big, strong guy, powerful, quick. Well, he was quick. He's probably a little bit slower nowadays. Now he's... Uh, He's retired, but I could quite easily see him doing a job, you know, um, in in the England squad. Yeah, just definitely. To, given the ball, we will just plough for a few people and, you know. As you say, that same kind of concept around the, the Super Bowl talk of big, bulky, agile. Yeah. He could slip a couple of players through. Definitely. I can def- definitely see that, kids. I think Michael Richards is a, a solid First and he'd bring the there. vibes as well, oh, which is always you, a plus. Could you imagine? You, you wouldn't be hating English rugby anymore. <laughs> well, I probably would, but maybe slightly less. <laughs> well, they'd still have their fans out there drinking piss, but <laughs> they'd at least have big meeks on the pitch yes. bringing the vibes. Yeah, I feel like we've given away our, our little bit of dislike towards... <laughs> We're able to keep it hidden on a football podcast. Well, yeah. if anyone's unaware, I fucking hate English rugby. <laughs> And it will be coming out in a couple of weeks' time. Oh, the Ir- the Irish heritage is is a very handy thing when you don't want to support the annoying arrogance that is English rugby. 
You can have dual heritage for the football and then then solo when it's the football. Fi- yeah. It's all about Koi Big when it comes to the rugby, man. <laughs> Pure Koi Big energy. Big Koi Big energy. Talking of Koi Big energy, my first pick, my goalkeeper, is my Irish pick. And I've thought strong. I've thought bit of distribution, handling the whole. I feel like rugby energy. When I say the name, I think you'll know what I mean by rugby energy. That sort of Irish mentality is encapsulated by Shay Given. Yeah, I know. I know you're going big Shay there. I like it. I think it does does play into the fact that I think if you look at ninety percent of Irish people, you'd think. I could do a job in a rugby team in some way, <laughs> shape, do. or form. You do. Like, it's the Irish head. I was going to say, it's the big Irish head <laughs> on the big Irish shoulders. Like My yeah. honourable mentions could have been basically any Irish international <laughs> yeah. for, the, for the last 20 yeah. years. I thought the same. That's For, for my island pick, I'll, I'll wait till we get onto it. But I went a bit different because I could have named literally any yeah. Irish international that's, you know... A big, a big lad that could yeah. do a job. Like Roy Keane is in my honourable mentions, but he's been in yeah. so many of these bloody yeah, fiver sides so... and brackets and things. I can't yeah. put him in all the time. But Robbie Keane as well as your agile pick, your yeah, your Dupont, almost energy. Yeah, I'm like Clinton Morrison could do a job as well. There's there's so there's so many Irish routes you could have gone down. But yeah, I've landed on the goalkeeper, I've landed on Shea Given as my big pick there. Very nice. A, a pick I like. I've got to say, I think. Yeah, big Shay. I could definitely see him doing a doing a job. Little chip over the oh, over the defence and running onto it. I don't know how quick he is, but just by being a big a big lad, I think he'd he'd pull through. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily think he's going to be be running by players, but he's going to be putting himself in and amongst it. He's definitely going to be top of the line out, like hundred percent. Shay will Shay will do a big job if he's called upon. If instead of, you know, like army service, and you get like conscripted if there's a war and stuff. If there was ever like an Irish rugby conscription, <laughs> you'd be throwing Shay right up there. You'd hunt him down just to make sure he's enlisted. Oh, I'd be spot on. But we'll, we'll leave Shay to one side for now, kids. We'll go on to your second choice. What you got for me? Well, I'll stick with the Irish theme. As, as you touched on, I think there's probably quite a lot of Irish players you could pick that could probably do a job but I I decided to go slightly different in my logic and this man is purely in it for the (laughs) lineouts. so I've gone Rory Delap and he only made 11 appearances for the Republic of Ireland but I think having Rory Delap on a lineout, you could start your um, line out on the other side of the pitch and he'd find (laughs) you just have have your winger sit on the other touchline you have the decoy yeah. of, of the line out, and then he just the fucking of... slings one to the winger on the other end of the pitch, and he's through. Yeah, that's a great idea. But as an opposition, when you've seen that once or twice, you're going to be setting a couple of players up then further back, and you'll be. Uh, you'll you be keep guessing, then you do a little short one, and you oh. you pop and run in. It's just it's the unknown. It's the unknown. When and you've you got say that in your that, arsenal. You say that, but teams knew Rory Delap was that doing that on a football point. pitch and they still couldn't stop it. He is inevitable. Call him Thanos because he is inevitable. So, yeah, slightly different logic. I like that one, it, though. But I thought you need a man on a line out and Rory Delap is that man. Yeah. I, I was just say I don't reckon he'd be, he'd be the best in the actual game, 
But he could drop into the background a little bit. I don't it's think a bit like special been... teams in the NFL. You just bring him <laughs> on for a for a little play, and that's it. Yeah. yeah, I don't. He wouldn't be like a game changer, but I don't think he'd be out of out of shape too much when it comes to being in there. He'd just sort of drop into the middle. And to be fair, you say about just for the line out. Imagine a little switch ball from him. Yeah. See, sees a player down the down the wing. He's in the middle. Pop a little one over the top there. Little diag to the other winger. Oh, when you've got that in the arsenal, you can drop it out at any occasion. No, yeah, that's, oh, do you know what, Kiers? I've immediately come round. That is a good, solid choice. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, my choice number two. This is one of the players where I forgot the rule of Premier League, but this is my Italian pick. And I've very much gone, not so much big and bulky, but mentality-wise and aggression-wise, someone that is going to be absolutely going for anyone in his vicinity. He may face a couple of little sin bins en route, but Giorgio Chiellini... I knew you were going... You know what? I nearly picked him as well, and then I realised he hadn't played Prem. I literally had that oh, exact well, same Well done process. for abiding by the rules. Ah, uh, someone's got to break him. They're there to be broken. Yeah, I just feel like Chiellini... His little shirt pulling had come in handy yeah. as well. You know, like you always see see the shirt basically coming off in someone's hat. Yeah. That would be pure Chiellini vibes. He's got a fair bit of height on him as well. He'd be getting in and amongst it. He's got the face of a rugby player. Like he you does can imagine him in a scrum of, cap yeah. with the cauliflower ears. Oh, just... He's got cauliflower ears written all over him. The fact <laughs> he, he doesn't really have does. them is sort of a bit <laughs> off-putting, really. <laughs> yeah. He should. Get that man cauliflower ears immediately. Yeah, he has that whole energy. He has. There are certain players in football that do just have that rugby player aggression in them. Yeah, and he he is one of those players that I I think he could immediately be transported to that Italian team. To be fair, an Italian farmer could be probably transported to that Italian team, and you know the difference. But Chiellini <laughs> could be transported to that Italian team, and. He'd fit in. He'd become the leader of that Italian team immediately. I was going to say, there's probably not many players on our list that would actually make the team better, but Chiellini's yeah. quite possibly one of them. Admitted Having never did... seen him play rugby, but... Oh, no, you can tell. They did play well against England and they got battered by Ireland in the Six Nations this year. So you never you never know with Italy. They could give you a run, but when they face a better team, that's when Chiellini's getting under. In, in the words of an Italian, sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. <laughs> so there you go. Beautiful stuff. What you got for me for number three, Kiz? Number three, I will go with my Welsh pick. So the thinking behind this one was more the brains of the operation, like a sexton, someone who's going to sit yeah. just behind the play, like your scrum half, your fly half, someone that wants to get on the ball, little the chips in behind, orchestrating the game. And I've gone Aaron Ramsey. He, um, he is actually in my honourable mentions. Is he? There you go. Because yeah. I, I can just see him. Like, I feel like he could take a hit. So, you know, like the likes of a Sexton, he waits for the challenge to yeah. come and then he'll just pop it off. Um, I feel like he's got the, the brains to to kind of drive that whole operation. And, and he obviously, yeah. he's he a good striker. He did play rugby at ball. school as well. Did he? Well, he did. without even knowing that. There you go. So that's even, even more um, weight behind my argument here. But... Obviously, as well, he's a good striker of a ball. So conversions, yeah. penalties, he's on those as well. So he's my kind of brains of the team orchestrating the the operation. Yeah, well, you could definitely you could definitely see him as the as the kicker as well. Yeah, 
I, I think, think he'd do give, a job. Yeah, give Dan Bigger a, a run for his money. He would. He would. Yeah, I think that's a solid shout. As I say, I had him in my in my honourable mentions there, but I already had a Welshman, which I might as well get into now. Now, my Welshman is my big driving forward attacker. And it was actually something you said earlier, Kieran, when we were talking about it, that was my driving force for picking Gareth Bale. And that was thinking about that goal he scored in the Copperdale yeah. Ray, where he's running down the line. He goes round some, runs off the pitch and back on and round. And I'm thinking, obviously not the off the pitch bit, but put a ball in that man's hand. Yeah. And he has died. Bale in his prime, where he has both the strength and the agility. Yeah. He is doing a job. A bit like Irish people, where you say about like, the Irish head is very much rugby. Welsh people are basically born rugby players as well. So yeah. they're another one where you can immediately throw Ramsey or Bale into the Welsh lineup, and I don't think they'd be missing the beat too much yeah. as bread of heaven hits. <laughs> I, you know what? I did I did consider Bale as well. It's a good shout. Like, he's very powerful as yeah. well. Like, he's a big guy. and The height he gets as well. Get him yeah, in the middle true. of a lineup. we said very before. True. Yeah, I reckon... He might a... instinctively bicycle kick the ball, though. That's the only problem. <laughs> hey, if, it, if it goes up and over... But he's all right. Imagine a drop, goal, a bicycle kick drop goal. Oh mate, scenes. But this could be the biggest, the biggest battle, Ramsey against Bale, because the way we'll do it is we'll do the countrymen against each other, and then the Italian and the Scotsman against each other. And I think that's that might be our, our hardest pick there is Ramsey against yeah. Bale. Yeah, it's a but, tough choice. Bale, what you got number four, like is? Is it your Scotsman or your Frenchman? Well. I'll go with my Frenchman next. So I, my last two, I've kind of just got gone down the route of a big fucker that could do, cause some serious damage. And this man, he's silky smooth, but at the same time, you would not want to get on his bad side. And I've gone Patrick Vieira. Oh, um, a solid call there. I could but, imagine him bowling through players. Yes. Yeah. Like the power... Of mm. Vieira, obviously unbelievable technical footballer as well. But when he's driving through the middle, like you could just see him picking up the ball and just absolutely like running through people and just not anyone getting near him because he's such a big guy as well. Like he's quite gangly. You could just see yeah. him stepping over people, like, people trying to get down at his legs, and he just sort of steps over them. So I went for Vieira, and obviously. I feel like he's such a competitor. He could probably do a job in most sports because he's just yeah. such a winner. He's at least given a bloody good go. Yeah, he like he's a leader. He'll get that yeah. team riled up. He'll get into the heads of the opposition. He's a big guy, you know. Yeah, he he can do a job. He's a well, bit I think of that's a, a, that's an excellent call. Guy. So yeah, yeah. I've gone the opposite route for my Frenchman. I've gone small, tiny, even. Magic man, who is going to be your man to kick and run. He's going to be your engine room. He's going to be your driving force. Kante. Okay. The engine of Kante. And a little little dynamo kind of <laughs> jinking runs you in and out. You little dancer. And go low Kante, you little dancer. Um, that kind of thing, where he's running in between. I can imagine him linking play in the middle. And I reckon he could take a couple of tackles as well. I reckon he could take a ball into a tackle. That's my one question mark though. Do you think if he got hit nah, he's getting he, back up? 100%. Can't he? Is resilient. Well, he what, is resilient. But is, is he incredible. resilient against a, a six foot six, are you, are you asking, pound man? Are you asking whether 
he could get murdered <laughs> yeah. if he's the pick. And I can't say that he wouldn't. But I'm I'll thinking tell if you Vieira what, comes in on him. Well, if Vieira's <laughs> right. on his team, he's all right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I see what you mean, though. I see what you mean. But yeah, he, you are right. He may die, but he's going to give it a bloody go. If There's he no never gets hit, that. it'll be fine. But I think once he gets hit, <laughs> he could be in big trouble. And he's a nice guy as well. I don't know if he has that, that rugged blight. Uh, sure, it's, it's quite clear that he, that he has the dog. He's a Champions League winner. It's true. It's true. Humble king. Humble yeah. king. So your final pick is you've got Scotland. I've gone Scotland and I think it's only right that I get a big scary Scotsman in here as my pick. Um, and I think no scarier do they come than Duncan Ferguson. Excellent choice. Big you Dunk. could just see him. You could just see him playing rugby. Oh, you? definitely. Big fella as well. He's a big, he's a big fella, and he's a big shit house as well. So he's six foot four. In fact, I can see no reason why he couldn't do a job. He's got that kind of brute, brute force about him. When he was playing as well, obviously up top, he'd throw a few elbows around. He'd impose himself, which is some characteristics you want to see on a rugby pitch. And yeah, I could just see him anywhere in the scrum, really, uh, along those backs. I think that's an excellent doing, choice. Cause... Doing a big job. Do you know what? Forwards, out of all say. out of all ten picks, he is the one I can immediately imagine the most being in that Scottish team. Yeah. That that big scare and talking of big scary, menacing even figures. My English pick, the final pick for my team, I've gone for my friend and yours, Akin Fenwer. Oh, good shout. Think of think of Tua Lange yeah. bowling through players. Think of some of those big monsters. That that French team has nothing on Akin Fenwar steaming through. I, I, like I reckon it. give him give him a bit of give him a bit of noose, a bit of tactical ability, and I reckon Akin Fenwar is another player that could do an absolute job. You're not stopping the man, are you? You're not stopping him. It, you're gonna have to put a big bloody fella in front of Akin Fenwar to to stop him down. Yeah, good shout, good shout. When I was going down the big route, I did. Uh, he did cross my mind, the big man. But then no Premier League. Stop no Premier League, but we're, we're, we're allowing exceptions here, so we're not going to factor that into the, the decision-making, yeah. which, on that topic, should we should we get into the decision-making? Do we get into decision-making, or do you want to hear my honourable mentions first, and then we'll... Oh, let's hear, let's hear your honourable mentions. So, I mentioned Roy Keane before, and then you've got Mannion, the goalkeeper for AC Milan, and Rammers as well, my other goalkeeper, Buffon, because I, I did want to include a, a keeper, so I had a couple of things to them. And then you mentioned Ramsey in your team. He was on there. John McGinn talking to little players that could do a job. Yeah. He was he was definitely in my thoughts. Patrice Evra as another Frenchman, and I feel like Wayne Rooney. Yeah, is definitely definitely in his bulkier stage as well. I reckon Wayne Rooney could definitely have. have I reckon well. he'd have the cauliflower ears as well. I reckon he'd wake up and just headbutt a fridge <laughs> to get the cauliflower in. If you ask Wayne Rooney to get cauliflower ears in the next ten seconds, he'll find a way. Get him back boxing. He would do it. Was it Phil Bardsley that knocked him out? Get Phil, give give <laughs> Phil a call him. and he'll, he'll a, sort him out. Give Phil a bell. He'll come round. <laughs> and then he's ready. He's, then Wayne's ready to go. Get him sorted with some cauliflower ears, please, Phil. Oh, so now be. now we'll pick the team, kids. So we'll go country versus country. So yeah. we'll start off with our two rogue countries, the country that we both did pick. So that's Chiellini for Italy, and that is Duncan Ferguson. For Scotland, I think there's only one choice there. It's got to be Big Dunk. It's got to be Dunk. He's captain in that Scotland side as well, I think. 
Oh, definitely. He'd be he'd be so well respected. Yeah. Def- oh, 100%. He, he gets in. So then we'll go to Ireland. And I'm having Shea Given over Rory Delap. I think I'd agree with you on that. I think Shea Given, it makes a lot of sense. He's good with his hands. He's got the big Irish head on him. Yeah. He's got the big Irish shoulders. He's a big guy. I reckon he could take a hit and he's just, yeah. And he's got, he's that an experienced head as well. That's, that's seen, that's seen a lot. I do like the idea of a special teams uh, with Rory kind the lap player. on it. But yeah. just just to throw in, like if you're down by six in the last few minutes and you get a line out, you just stick Rory on. Next thing you know, your other wingers in down the other side. But I think in terms of practicality and a player that's actually going to, going to do a job I think Shea Givens a very good shout so I'm happy we go with Shea yeah so next we'll go to England and we've got Akin Fenwa and Micah Richards this is here we go now we're into the difficult decisions battle of the giants here it's a tough one I think in terms of pure size obviously Akin Fenwa takes it but I feel like Micah gives you the agility yeah like yeah. With, when you when he gets the ball if he's breaking through I feel like he gives you that edge that yeah. probably Akin Fenwa doesn't I feel like he's a bit more leggy like he'll break through that initial like wall of players, but then when he's trying to break out, he'll get the the little tap tackle from behind or the yeah. the legs wrapped up. Whereas Mika's probably probably gone. Stepping at that point. through, yeah. But yeah, it's I, a tough one. It depends yeah. what sort of player you're looking for. I I think I think Mika Mika gives you more the the all round ability. So we'll go. We'll, we'll, we'll go, go Mika because yeah. English rugby needs some likability as well. So we need <laughs> we need big, we need big Meeks there to redeem them a bit. There we go. So next we'll go to France and little Kante against Big Patrick. <laughs> it's uh, David v Goliath here. It I, really I, just, is. I don't think I can see past <laughs> Kante. Just get, you know what? It would be great as much as I like Kante. It'd be great to see. It'd be like throwing Kazola in in a, oh. in a rugby game, but. I feel like he'd be great until, until he, got he gets mullered, <laughs> and then he's out for at least a, a few months. Yeah, no, I can I can understand that he'd get like, squashed by some of these bigger folks as well. Like you can just picture Vieira with a rugby jersey on and the vapor yeah. rub on his chest. Like it just makes sense. Helps him slip off people as well with the old vapor rub. You can just see him in that lineup singing the French national anthem. Tune, by the way, he wouldn't look out of place. It's, it's up the French one. The Italian one, I'd say the Brazilian one, they're, they're probably my top three national anthems. Just absolute bangers. You better go change your nationality so you can uh, you can sing along in full confidence. What would you say, Kiz? What's your, your top three national anthems while we're here? Oh, well, definitely not the English one. That's all I know. Really? I do, I do really? like the Irish rugby one. Yeah? I've got to be honest. I'm a big fan. Oh, what? definitely not the American one. I'm not a fan, I've got to be honest. No. They have like ten the Super Bowl. I know that's part of the problem. It's like a mini gig. Make your mind up. Make your bloody mind up, people. Um, you might have to come back to me on that. Or we'll give you we'll give you a bit of time to think, kids. Why is, is we'll the do... French one that one that sounds a bit like a circus song? Yes, that's the magic. Oh, I do like that one as well, but I feel like I've got to go a bit more unique. It gives big. Big circus vibes, and you got the Italian one's that. big circus. Maybe I'll just like circus songs. Maybe you do get yourself to the circus, girl. Oh, well, like, what a what a plan! Get me get me as the ringmaster immediately. So we'll give you we'll give you a think there, kids. What you think about your your last national anthem while we decide Bale versus Ramsey? The biggest decision. It's tough. 
It's tough. I've, who who have we got? Anyone sort of controlling controlling things? I guess given given could potentially do that. Yeah. Maybe I'm just saying it because I can. He looks a little bit like Sexton, and I think he's got a few grey hairs. <laughs> so that's where I'm leading. I don't know. Who, I'm going. Who, I'm going the energy of Bale. I think. I think Bale adds that little extra something to this yeah. team. And he's he's a big guy as well. I feel like yeah. he could take a hit. Although he probably wouldn't turn up to training. I feel like he'd just be playing. No, no, because it's for Wales. Oh, yeah. Wales, Golf, Madrid in that order. So he's all right. We'll, st- we'll stick rugby in there just behind Wales. and, and Yeah, dom- right. domestically, they're going to still be playing football. <laughs> but <laughs> it's only international. That they... Just getting the call up. Well, in that case, we will... Uh... We'll go. We'll go with it. Bale. I'm. I'm happy. I'm happy. We stick Bale in there. Fantastic. We've got two. We've got that that little out option with Bale on the wing there. So, so I like it. I like it. The rugby team we've got. We've got Shea Given, Micah Richards, Duncan Ferguson, Patrick Vieira, Gareth Bale. You want to come up against them in the cages, would you, Christ? You wouldn't. You. I think you. You would turn around and go home at that point. Imagine, imagine a midfield duo of Duncan Ferguson and Patrick Vieira. And then That's behind scary. him, you've got Micah Richards' big happy face. That is... <laughs> That's scary. And then Bale going at you. Oh, my God. That's nice. We've got a decent little team together. Here. That's a terrifying team right there. I think we've done well there, kids. But before we, we round up for the episode, everyone's wondering, what is one of your favourite national anthems? What else is on the list? I'm just having a think. I... I think Australia have a decent little one. Actually. They do have a solid little number. I've heard I've, that in person a couple of times. I think I think I'll go Australia. I think that's my uh, my my selection. I think they've got a solid little little number there. And obviously you'll you'll be a fan as a yeah. as an Aussie boy yourself. Well, an ex Aussie boy at this point, but an Aussie yeah, boy think... nonetheless. We always like to have a little song as the outro kids. I think we just go for the Australian national anthem. This <laughs> well, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy we do it. I'm happy. In your honour, kids. We'll, we'll go after after talking about the Six Nations. It only makes sense to end on the Australian national anthem. And there's a clear, direct route there. So that's for you all to enjoy. But before that, let's round off, kids. Thank you very much for joining me. Pleasure as always. Everyone else, thank you very much for listening. This has been the number one podcast of rugby players and people who can only count to three the sign that in podcast. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Have a good one. Goodbye.